This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Hello and welcome to episode 588 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, August 16th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm flying solo for episode 6 of Call Your Shot. If I was uh, qualified in any way, shape, or form to do like audio effects, I would have done some cool like echo effect there. Instead, I just tried to make it sound like I had an echo. Uh, but for those unfamiliar, uh, what I do is I go on Twitter, I ask for your baseball-related unpopular opinions, blistering hot takes, and thought-provoking questions, and then I address them on an episode uh, such as this. And it is 1,000% a direct ripoff of Anthony Fantano's Let's Argue series uh, from YouTube. And if you don't know who Anthony Fantano is and you like music, uh, first off, that's interesting. But uh, if you're like really into music, you should know who he is but go check him out anthony fantano uh, the needle drop on youtube uh, it's great anyway let's get right into it because we've got we've got a bunch to go through and so i just basically i've obviously read some of them going through my mentions or whatever but i'm just bringing up the tweet and i just go through them so you're getting my snap reactions to them let's start at avery m kindred says with james paxton out felix will step up and pitch at a cy young level for the remainder of the season and cano will play like an mvp candidate for the rest of the season this is one of the ones i did see because i even responded i said even though you know i'm going for oakland i want to see this just because i like felix so i mean listen we can have the felix aspect of it without uh without them necessarily overtaking the a's but it'd be great you know, I, I can at least I, I could honestly see the Cano situation pretty easily because he's a really good he's a really good hitter. So that wouldn't even be that surprising. But obviously, Felix stepping up uh, to such a high degree w- would be really, really surprising. I mean, he just he just hasn't had it. Um, in fact, let me see. I should I don't I, I by the way, I just read these off the cuff and, and answer them. I, I don't do a bunch of uh, research beforehand because I kind of want to give my fun uh, my, my, my fun responses to them. But I want to see how long is Paxton expected out. They did put him on the 10-day DL. Uh, he's going to miss one turn in the rotation, but it might not be so bad. Okay. So Felix, obviously, is going to take that spot, and, and we'll kind of see. I think he pitched pretty well, Felix did, uh, in in place of him. Uh, which ended up being basically a start. Yeah, it was five and two-thirds, five hits, two runs, two strikeouts, two walks. So, you know, again, it's hard not to like Felix, so I'd love to see him find some success, but he he just doesn't have it. I am really hoping that this bullpen situation, because he'll probably go back once Paxton comes back, I'm hoping that this can can bring a second act for Felix. And I don't know exactly what that would be. I don't know that his current arsenal even shaved down and maybe the velocity amped up. I don't know that that allows for him to really take off or anything. I I, I just, I don't know, but I hope that he can find a two pitch combo or, or just something to, to play off of the, um, the, the changeup. Cause right now the fastball changeup, the, the speed difference is so slight that I think it's cutting into the effectiveness of the changeup. All right. Next up, at Timmer Mac says, if baseball wants to fix its pace of play problem, it'll encourage teams to go back to the 70s and 80s starting pitcher usage. Well, the league is never going to do something like that and say, you know, suggest, hey, you need to be pushing pitchers seven, eight, nine innings. Uh, I don't really see anything like that. However, I think we have a better shot uh, of the pace of play improving 
as we see more and more relievers go more than an inning. Because I think, and we've talked about this not only on Call Your Shot episodes, just on the podcast in general, that talent's being wasted. Innings are being left on the table with that scant usage of so many relievers. And and I think I think they have to do something about it. I think it's so dumb. And, um, you know, Doug Thorburn and I used to talk about this back on Tin Stap ages ago, for those of you that are familiar with that podcast. Uh, and he would bring up how they have a six-inning roll and a one-inning roll and nothing in between. And that was always one of my favorite things that we would talk about. And so I've pushed that, continued to talk about how silly that is and how we need a two- to four-inning roll. And um, obviously – there's some guys who are going to be more on the two-inning side, others on the four-inning side. So even there's probably two roles within there, the, the two-inning guy and the four-inning guy. But the bottom line is for as many pitchers as, as, we, as teams carry, 12, 13, um, you know, to not have enough innings to, to the point where we're having just this enormous amount of, of uh, hitters pitching – that's terrible. And and to not see anybody, any reliever go over 100 innings, that's insane. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. You just cannot convince me that uh, you're either 180 innings or you're 60. Like, that's that's dumb. So hopefully we're, we're pushing toward something uh, more where uh, where we'll have relievers who go, who go, you know, two innings with regularity. Let me see what haters on pace for, actually. Obviously, he's been, um, you know, the high leverage guy this year, getting a lot of multi-inning stints. But even he is only on pace. Oh no, he's on pace for 102. So if he keeps going, he would get he would get over 100 innings, which is great. He should. Um, Chris Davinsky, I think. And and one of the things that we saw with like Davinsky because he was kind of being run into the ground a bit. Uh, those those the last two years coming into this year was he was getting a lot of outings instead of longer outings. I mean, he was getting longer outings too, but I don't know that we necessarily need to see them pushed so many games um, because I think that can really wear on them, but, but longer, longer stints during those games. Anyway, let's move on to the next one. Oof, this one's tough. The Eduardo Manet, 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 M-A-N-E-T. I'm thinking of it like Monet. So Manet, I don't know. Eduardo, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, but um, I like your tweet here. After a studly rise, Severino takes his two pitches and sinks to mediocrity a la Chris Archer. Whew! Scathing. And the reason I like this is because it fits what we're doing here with the hot takes because that is sizzling. Um, I will push back initially, like right off the top, before I even get into whether or not the, the talent's going to fall off, the notion of just the two pitches. Because I, I, I think that Severino has a much more developed changeup than, than Archer's ever had. And the changeup has failed Severino a bit this year. It's actually got a minus two pitch value this year at, after 9.6 last year. But it's still a pitch that he can at least rely on to a degree uh, that he can use 13% of the time, even if it's not. Uh, been a great pitch all year long so I don't think he's just fastball slider in search of a third pitch he needs to get his third pitch back on track so I don't really see this again we, we've looked into the uh, to, to the struggles I don't see anything that says this is more than than a blip though I really don't uh, when you talk about velocity uh, when you talk about you know his control being like way off. No, we only we only seen one high walk game during this blip. It was three walks at Boston. You walk three against Boston, you got out thinking you're lucky stars. Basically, the way they take pitches, uh, command is definitely off for sure because we've seen um, you know him get a hit hit around a lot, home runs for Severino. But I don't know. I know it sucks and it's it's all these starts in a row and it's at a pivotal time of the season. But I still don't see anything that suggests that he's broken or that it's going to be a long-term situation. It is frustrating to watch uh, and deal with, um, maybe unless you're a fan of one of the uh, the other teams chasing a wild card that isn't the Yankees. But hopefully you're not out there rooting for people to fail. You can root for your team, but don't 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 be a clown that just like actively roots for people to fail, especially uh, rooting for people to get injured. All right, never heard of this guy, Justine. Mazin, FWFB, never heard of him. Kyle Gibson is the greatest two-way player, pitcher, gardener of all time. That's just a fact. 
you know, I was looking for hot takes and, and unpopular opinions. This is just a, a raw fact. And I think it's more the latter, the gardening, that really sets him over the top. You know, it's just like a capable pitcher, but then just such an elite gardener that uh, it really sends him sends him to the top of the list there. But, yes, that, that's just a fact. Thank, thank you, Justin Mazin. Um, I don't know. That guy, it looks like he knows some stuff. But, I'm not, again, I've never heard of him. I think maybe he'll, uh, he'll rise to some sort of prominence in the future. I don't know. Oh, Jasmine. All right. I got... <laughs> I know she wants this to happen so badly uh, at uh, Baba underscore Jasmine. Giants will make the playoffs. All right. So Jasmine lives overseas. She's in the UK. And so obviously with the time change, she's not always up to watch her, her beloved Giants. And if I don't follow the Giants game of the night, if I'm kind of unaware of what they did, then the text, when she wakes up, I'm going to know how it went. <laughs> If it's expletive laden, they lost. If it's uh, utter surprise and shock, then they won. <laughs> and so usually I'll I'll know based off of that because that actually happens at like midnight here um, because that's you know that's that's the time difference there. So you know you can't rule it out. Uh, would I would I favor them in any way, shape, or form? No, of course not because they're sixty-one to sixty-one. Looking up at three teams, and that's the biggest deal here. Even if they were 61 and 61 with, with the Diamondbacks ahead of them at 66 and 55, even that, that split there, the games aren't such uh, so much the issue right now as it is the fact that there's two teams in between that. It's not just the Diamondbacks. It's also the Dodgers and the Rockies. And, of course, all the injuries they've dealt with and, and trying to get right. Um, you can't, again, you can't fully rule them out. They could get on a little bit of a Cardinals streak uh, that we've seen recently, and, and your fate can change in, in a week's time, to be honest. But I just don't see it. Um, it would be interesting, though. It would create for one hell, of a, one hell of a run in September, and you know they're just 5-5 five and five in their last 10. They really need to get going. You can't drop key games. And I, I know that no one game is, is the end-all, be-all for these teams, but you know you look at the Nats as well and some of the games they've been dropping and obviously they're not mathematically eliminated but for all intents and purposes I do think the Nationals are I and even though they have basically the same record 60 and 61 for the Nats 61 61 for the Giants and they're chasing more teams three versus two I would still give the Giants a better shot I just don't see it for the Nats this year I, I was waiting for I was a hold out on them saying you know they could get hot they've got the talent the devastation of injuries to their bullpen recently I think is the true nail in the coffin here meanwhile as for the Giants there they should be adding pieces back it's a bummer though because if you had told Giants fans that they're going to get you know kind of a, a belt uh, you know big belt season uh, Crawford was going to bounce back and they were going to get some breakouts from, you know, Alan Hansen, um, Gorky's Hernandez has been pretty useful. He's a little bit of a below average bat, but I think he's a, I think he's a mediocre, at least defender, if not a good one. Let me see. Yeah. looks like he's a positive defender. Not, not necessarily elite, but if you had told them, Hey, you're going to get 350 plate appearances of quality Gorky's Hernandez, Alan Hansen doing well. Uh, plus breakouts from your 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 stars coming through, they would have said, "Hey, we're gonna have a pretty good season." Especially if you had then told them Derek Holland is gonna put up 129 innings of a sub four ERA, uh, Reyes Maranta, Sam Dyson, Tony Watson, Will Smith is gonna give you a really nice bullpen. They just said, "Hey, we're gonna be rolling. This is great," and it's just it's just not happening because so many other factors have gone side. I didn't even mention Derek Rodriguez, by the way, who's been incredible. Um, and so that, that's, that's just kind of baseball right there because they've had other factors really work against them. Posey's been, you know, mediocre for Posey standards and injuries have ravaged that rotation at different times with, with Bumgarner missing time. Um, uh, Jeff Samarja and obviously Johnny Cueto out now for the year. So they got an uphill battle Jasmine. And if it happens, I'll be happy for you, but I just don't see it. Uncertainty with Altuve forces Houston to add a bat. This is, by the way, this is from at uh, dbrand5, Derek Brandon, one of my buddies. Uh, the Astros put in a claim for McCutcheon and are blocked by the Indians. Instead, they trade for Josh Donaldson. Mm, that's interesting. Now, he also tagged 
the oh oh never mind i'm an idiot i was like he tagged the giants in here why because he put mccutcheon i'm silly um that'd be really interesting uh, first off if both of those guys moved if mccutcheon and donaldson are yet to move because you know we had a, an amazing trade deadline and if we then got you know another surge like last year we got the Verlander deal, which was huge and obviously super, super, super impactful for the Astros. But I don't think we got a ton of waiver deadline moves. Um, so if we got two superstar names, I know they're not superstar players anymore, McCutcheon and Donaldson. They're not performing at superstar level, but they're superstar names. If we got two guys moving like that, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, my buddy uh, Kirby at Remduck1 says, is the Cards' win streak a fluke or are they a legitimate playoff contender? Let me take a drink then answer that. Here's the thing. Even if they don't continue at this pace, an eight-game win streak like this has now put them right back in the thick of it. So I don't think it's a fluke because they've had talent and they've been they've been kind of in that Nats-Giants territory where they were underperforming with the talent they had. They went on the run that those two teams have been hoping for, thinking that they could get, they finally got it. You know, it's like one of those three teams should should go on a run, if not, you know, all three of them at some point, and they got the run. And it's been great. And for their sake, it's been without Carlos Martinez and, and Michael Waka, which kind of makes it almost a better because they're like, hey, we're going to add those guys back too. And so I do think there's legitimacy to it. I really don't, I really don't look at them and see a bad ball club here. I think that they're going to be in contention, doing their thing. They've got a lot of interesting players. I've, I've been trying to hype up Harrison Bader as much as I can. I'm a very big fan of his. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, another quality uh, young outfielder that they have here to kind of cover for what's been going on with Marcelo Zuna and the fact that they traded Fam for like nothing. Um, so yeah, they've got they've got offense up and down. Paul DeYoung could could also get hot, or maybe he already is hot. Let me see. I'm just looking at his uh, season stats. Is he is he a big reason that they're surging? Let's see here. And eh, not really. I mean, his power's been there for sure. Last 14 days, uh, eight of his 10 hits have been for extra bases, four homers, four doubles. And so he has a 931 OPS, but it's only 233 average, 327 OBP. But when he's making uh, a connection, it's, it's, it's doing damage. I think uh, Jose Martinez has been back on track. I mean, they've got talent up and down. Ma meanwhile, Matt Carpenter is such a beast. That even the days that that other guys aren't performing, he kind of carries the load, and it's been so insane what Matt Carpenter's doing, and obviously that uh, that's one of my biggest misses of the year, plain and simple. And I was absolutely terrified of the shoulder. It's something that we talked about early in the uh, early in the season. Um, Jason and I were, were were talking about the shoulder. He's had shoulder issues himself, similar to Carpenter's, and. You know, he's kind of going off of his own experience, obviously accounting for the fact that this is still a professional athlete with, uh, you know, more intensive care uh, from team doctors and whatnot. But at the same time, just the, the healing process is the healing process. And, and there was concern. And then, you know, the confirmation bias sets in when Carpenter starts off poorly thinking, hey, <laughs> You know, this is exactly what the what the fear was. This dude not not getting the power that he should. Uh, there were some good underlying metrics, but it was like, okay, well, is he still hitting it hard, but but on the ground? You know, is he still doing this, but not this? He's not striking out, okay, because he can make good contact and and take his walks, but is it quality contact? And it turns out it was, and and he, he was riding a one ninety babbit. I knew that was gonna come up. I did. I wasn't seeing his April for Matt Carpenter, 155, 305, 274 with that 190 Babbitt, thinking that that was going to maintain. But I did not obviously think that he was going to go off or even really find his, his level. I was really thinking more of like, okay, even if he does get going and kind of reverse the Babbitt trends and whatnot, we're looking at like a high 700s OB, uh, OPS, high, a high 700s OBP for Matt Carpenter, maybe. But no, so just dead wrong on him. Just dead wrong in every way, way, shape, and form. Matt Carpenter's been amazing. He's been carrying this this ball club. But there, there other guys are there, too, because in baseball, you can't – one guy can't do it all. Um, and even if, even if they do for like a week or two, they do need support. And so Carpenter has done 
a ton for them, but he is getting support as well. So Kirby, I, I, I think there's some legitimacy to it. By the way, didn't even plan to do the little Matt Carpenter tangent uh, ahead of this next tweet. <laughs> but this one's from at Original Mick, and it's just a quote, Matt Carpenter is done at Spore at Jason Collette. Thought-provoking question: How many leagues did that t- did that take swing? Uh, you know, this this is this is when you're flailing to not uh, not take the biggest L ever. I don't think we said he was done, in, in that he would never be good again. You know, you could just say you could just go with what we said, and it, it's bad enough about like, yo, take all these other guys ahead of him. Don't jump on this year until we see some health. Nevertheless, the details of it do not matter. Dead wrong. Advised people to, you know, for example, I retweeted something about where I told them to take Justin Turner, and I was like, no doubt. Uh, it was a, it was a no doubt sort of thing. So, yeah, that was a big fail. As a big old fail. And I don't know, you know, there's not much else to say about it except to understand that, uh, you know, that this, this was a miss and try not to let it happen again. Maybe trust the underlying metrics a little bit more, even if the health piece is still concerning to you. So, you know, if we led you astray on Carpenter, sorry. I mean, I don't say that like flippantly. I, that sounded a little bit like, well, sorry. No, no sorry, for sure. Um, as I always say with the bad pieces of advice, you can at least take a, a, a shred of solace in the fact that uh, I'm burnt too. You know, I followed it. It's not like I sneakily was scooping up Matt Carpenter in trades or off waiver wires. Yes, off waiver wires. He was damn well, You you know he was cut in leagues there's no doubt about it you hear the stories you see him on twitter you hear him on podcasts he was cut um and i wasn't getting him anywhere either so i i do follow the advice i give and so we all we all we all burn in this hell of uh bad matt carpenter takes at d 24 acuna better number okay i'm gonna read this as he wrote it acuna better number than trout after both finished their careers I guess it wasn't as I just saw the Acuna better number, which was not like a great start to the sentence, but he finished it off strong. Um, boy, that is a remarkably scalding hot take. That is even hotter than don't don't get Matt Carpenter right before he has a trout like surge. Um, no, but. Is he going to be awesome? Yeah, I think so, and, and I'm really enjoying what we're seeing, what we're seeing out of him these days. It's it's been incredible. By the way, I did not know that he was the cousin of Vicente Campos, Alcides Escobar, Edwin Escobar, Kelvin Escobar, and the nephew of Jose Escobar. I didn't know all the. I didn't know that. So I guess I didn't know Alcides Escobar was in that family tree either. I loved Kelvin Escobar. I really wanted him to be a superstar. And I remember someone brought him up the other day and I was looking up his stats and I, I thought he had more um, failed seasons in terms of health and, and not pitching. And you know what? Maybe it's in the context of like, well, no, 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 no. I was going to say because he has a bunch of like 180 inning seasons. I know, you know, even in the early 2000s that that's not necessarily leading a rotation because there were so many guys getting 200 plus. It was still pretty good though. But anyway, I love Kelvin Escobar. That's, that's neither here nor there. Listen, Acuna and speaking of taking L's, you know, the, the, the Twitter mob made, made my boy Derek Cardi take a loss on, uh, on saying that Acuna wasn't going to be that great this year. And I think where they really wanted to nail him to the wall was uh, a, a Manny Margot comp. And he had a really thoughtful response, though, explaining his process. And I really hate the take an L culture that doesn't want to hear the reasoning. Just take your L. No, shut up. You're stupid, okay? We want to learn from it. Because just taking your L does nothing for anybody. Understanding the process of how we got somewhere and for the person who who made the call that missed, having them examine their process and and potentially learn from it uh, is important 
and, and going to make for better analysis. So if you were one of the people that was just so eager for him to take his L and, and responded uh, negatively to his, his explanation of it, you're an idiot. I'm sorry. You're just, you're just an idiot. And uh, it's just not helpful to simply take an L and move on. It is worth examining. He's not, he's not excusing it. He took it. Okay. What, what do you want beyond that too? I hate the taken L culture. It's so pathetic, especially because it's all from these people who never put anything out on the line themselves. Right. So they're never opening themselves up to possibly getting scorched like this. And so they just, they just see that fresh meat and they want to attack and it's absolutely absurd. So I, I applaud Derek for examining his process and explaining how he got there and, and, you know, possibly making alterations to the bat to make sure that, you know, something like this doesn't happen again. And, and by the way, uh, you know, he's not going to go in and completely rework everything because it's not like Acuna was great before this run either. And that again, that's not to like take him off the hook or anything like that. But where were all these people, uh, I don't know, a month ago when he had a sub 800 OPS? Like he's been out of his mind for a 30 game, 25 game stretch, 12 homers in 25 games. And that's awesome. And that's the kind of talent that he has. But it's not like uh, he was wrong this entire time. Again, I think where he really lost folks was the Manny Margot comp, whatever. Um, you know, that that's that's where you learn. That's the learning part of it. But um, as far as uh, Dan Hollander's Acuna better numbers than Trout, no. Don't compare people to Trout. That's just going to create disappointment for everybody. This one was probably the best one. It is from a Braves fan, but uh, <laughs> Bo underscore man with two ends. Urania gets his tilde taken away, and Acuna gets an extra one on his jersey rest of season. That's amazing. That should absolutely happen. Listen, if you're trying to justify what Jose Urania did, you're living in the past. In fact, everyone who tries to justify it, all they say is that's the way it's been. And they cite a group of Hall of Famers like Bob Gibson, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, who pitched in. And listen, Pedro did have some I'm going to hit guys because of whatever sort of thing. And as much as I love Pedro, I don't agree with that either. Okay, and But that's that such a dinosaur way of thinking. Uh, this guy's so good that we're just gonna hit him. Oh, we gotta move his feet. We gotta make him uncomfortable. And the the funniest part is that all this this trash about hitting somebody who's who's too successful for you to get out uh, is is framed in this in this uh, guise of of manliness of the tough way to handle it to show this rookie when it's the most cowardly chicken shit thing that you could possibly do. It is the absolute direct opposite like if we're gonna get into the whole like manliness bs then uh you're on the direct opposite end with throwing a baseball at somebody because they're too good we can't get them out so we'll just throw the ball at them okay listen obviously we cannot 100 percent prove intent because that's just not possible uh without an admission obviously and Urania's sticking to the idea that he didn't do it. I don't know how you look at that pitch and don't see that he was he was purposely trying to throw at him. He wasn't trying to throw inside. You throw inside, you lose you lose the handle on something and it hits somebody. Okay. Purposely hitting somebody though is so stupid. I don't care if you do it quote unquote the right way, which doesn't exist. Again, also stupid, of like hitting them in the butt or the or the thigh. Because no matter who you are, but especially if you're Jose Urania, you're not good enough to ensure that that's all you do. And so you miss a little bit, you shatter somebody's elbow, you break somebody's wrist. And why? Not even because like they showed you up, which again, would be a stupid reason. Um, but it's not even that. It's because he's too good. He's, we, we just We couldn't get him out, so we just threw it at him. Pathetic. Okay, and if you're supporting it, you need to reassess because you look like a clown. You really do. And you look like a dinosaur. And, and 
there was one, and I'm not going to name names, but there was one guy in particular saying, all these people are going to come forward. You watch. All these baseball people will come forward and say the same thing. He didn't get it. A few dinosaurs came through with it. Tons of current players were absolutely obliterated. And not just Braves. You know, Chipper came out. Uh, Pete Moylan, a couple, you know, couple Braves affiliated guys that said it. Uh, Brandon McCarthy, another one. So there were obviously the Braves ones that were against it. But there were guys uh, running the gamut that you could find. Kevin Kiermeyer was out front today saying how absolutely absurd it was. Again, because you're putting somebody in danger here. X-rays were negative on Acuna. Great. But what if his elbow is shattered? Then what? Then what? Then them's the breaks. That's baseball. Like, do you understand how stupid you have to be to say that that's baseball? Whenever your key argument on something is that's how it was done in the 60s or 70s, if that's if that's your only point, you really got to examine what you're talking about. And this goes for everything. And I'm not going to get too far afield on this but it's 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 perfectly true of sports but in culture as well if that's if if that's the way it's always been is your only reason you're probably wrong moving on at first base 987 uh, says Votto hits eight bombs in September and wins a lot of hardware for ungrateful fantasy owners who've been dogging him all year listen you not going to find many fan, many bigger fans of Joey Votto than myself. Absolutely love his game, love his savage personality. He's so funny and, and witty. I love the way he thinks about the game. But I don't think it's completely out of bounds for some folks to be a little uh, disappointed with what they've gotten out of Votto. They get, they get nine homers from their first baseman, man. He's the 16th rated first baseman on the player radar. I, I don't think that they're ungrateful. You know, he does. If he doesn't match the 36 of last year, I can handle that. If he's more of in the 25 to 29, uh, he had 29 the two years before that. By the way, Votto did before the 36 last year. If, if, so shave off even five on that. Give me 24. I can deal with that. We're talking about nine. Okay, so I I, I got to push back on the notion of of ungratefulness. Now, if he does club those. Uh, club those September homers and puts on a few more this month. So, so let's say he enters the month with like 12 and then does hit eight to, to salvage a 20 spot. Okay. That's still going to be a, a cut below what the floor of what I was expecting. I love Votto. And if you got him in an OBP, you're still sitting pretty with a 422 that leads the NL, but come on, come on. Even the biggest Votto fans have to understand that he didn't come through this year. You're getting nine homers at first base. Like, that is tough. So, uh, as somebody with Votto on some clubs, I hope you're right because uh, I, I need that production. But I'm not ungrateful. I, I, I love Votto. I'm glad that I drafted him. I'll still draft him again next year despite this uh, this offseason uh, power-wise. But I don't think the people that are complaining are out of bounds on this one. At Kyle Box with the O being a zero. Michael Conforto will be a top 10 outfield the rest of the season, finishing with season totals of 28 homers and 72 ribbies. Let's see where he is right now to give you an idea of what that leaves left in the proverbial tank. Ooh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That would be a top 10 outfield the rest of the way. That would be incredible because he would have, uh, let's see, what do you say, 28 homers? That, that'd be 12 more homers and 30 more ribbies. Yeah, that'd be nice in a month and a half. Let's go. If you're if you've got Conforto, you're really hoping for that. By the way, just randomly, and he's already playing his 110th today. Actually, I'm not entirely sure of that. I think he's in the lineup. I don't know why he wouldn't be, but they're playing a doubleheader. But uh, just I I always notice like random uh, symmetry stuff like that. I'm on his page and I see 109 games the last two years, and he's on his 109th game this year so far, which is always fun. I guess I don't know. I like to point out random. Stuff like that, dumb patterns that don't matter. Um, I could I could see a surge from Conforto uh, because he's he's shown some flashes that make me believe that maybe he's feeling healthier with the shoulder because that was my big concern this year was that he was being overdrafted with a, a missed month 
already on the docket. Now he beat that time frame, which is very rare. You know, you look at the track record of time frames, and you know that we're, on this show we're very pessimistic on time frames. We're usually on the uh, adding we add to to time frames and say no, 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 this is not coming through as as expected. Add X amount of time to it. He beat it, and that's great that he beat it. But did it really matter because his April was was pretty uh, pretty mediocre? He hit two twenty two with a homer, six ribbies, and a steal. I could have gone without those to maybe just get healthy and uh, and and be better in May and June before a solid July. Although only two forty seven did have an eight twenty OPS. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, I'm I like it. It's definitely qualified for the show here, and it would be really interesting to see that for for Michael Conforto. At the Fartley, love it. This Fraser Hartley just combined his name. Love it. The Fartley. Uh, Vlad Jr. will have a better 2019 than Soto and Acuna's 2018. You know, as as lofty as that is, it's also not out of bounds because of how great Vlad Jr. is. Like, he's just so obscenely good. But let's just put that into context here, that he has to best Juan Soto, who currently has a 298 420, 542 line in 318 plate appearances with 15 homers, 54 runs, 43 ribs, and even a couple steals thrown in. So I don't know about all that. I'm going to say no, um, just on the conservative end of things, but how sweet would that be? Like that would be, that'd be incredible. It is getting a little bit toward the, the joke end of things that he's still not up. Um, I don't, I don't like the service time manipulation thing, but I completely understand it, right? It, it's the smart thing to do. And I think fans, a lot of fans do understand of, you know, okay, keeping him down those extra 10, 10 days to two weeks to start a season to get that extra year. Okay, I understand that. But at this point, you're talking about he probably should have been up to start this month. That's two months, right? He could have skipped AAA. Did he really need to go to AAA where he's just continuing to savage pitchers? Uh, after a 402, 449, 671 in double A with 14 homers and 266 plate appearances, he's up putting up a 333 average and 1056 OPS in 58 minor league plate appearances. So um, I know that they're out of it in, in, in Toronto. Like, I get that. I just, uh, you can't tell me that, you can't tell me that they, they can't be calling him up right now for service time only. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's time. I think it's time to move on from that and just call them up. And I know it's not going to, you know, overwhelmingly change their uh, attendance records or anything. But this is, this is obviously, this, this is a problem with baseball where the best players are held down for these artificial reasons. We don't see this in other sports. It doesn't happen. And so it's a problem with our game. I, I don't, I don't want to see this, and it, it hurts the game because they need exciting players. First off, they're, they're, they need to do a better job promoting the ones that they do have in the league, but the fact of it is is that leaving some of them down, like Acuna was in this position last year, and it was very clear that they weren't going to call him up, and it was frustrating. Now the one selfish, selfish alert here, the one positive end of, of him not getting called up and I don't even know that if he was called up in September that this would rule, be ruled out. But because he was injured, he's only had 79 games this year for Vlad Jr., he should go to the Arizona Fall League. And so hopefully I get a firsthand look at him. That would be amazing. All right, this next one is kind of a different tone from the other Cardinals one, so that's why I'm going to include it. At, at A. Coppa, the St. Louis Cardinals, who jeopardized the futures of Seamart and Ozuna with impatient injury management all year, kept like a 1,000-year-old clubhouse uh, obvious clubhouse cancer on staff as closer traded Tommy Pham for a ham sandwich for a fam sandwich are actually the dumbest team in baseball even dumber than the Mets scathing but not completely unfair but do think that they had some poor management situations here we've heard about Ozuna's shoulder being such an issue you know his throws 
uh, have been terrible this year. That, that was highlighted on the StatCast podcast. They talked about where his throwing arm has been this year. I think it's even been worse than Chris Davis, although I think that was because of a qualifier, like uh, X amount of throws, and Davis has been a DH so much that he didn't qualify. But the bottom line is, is that Ozuna's shoulder is absolutely a big problem this year. I will say this, to the credit of Ozuna, he's very much not himself and very much ailing with that shoulder, and yet he's still having about a league average year. He's got a he's got a 94 WRC plus, and or let me check that. That was from like a couple days ago. Just want to do due diligence, folks. Due diligence. 94 nailed it. Uh, but he's got a 94 WRC plus, despite being completely compromised at this point. Now it's down from 142 last year, so I'm not trying to say it's good or anything. I'm just highlighting his raw talent is such. That even in a year like this, he's able to kind of uh, at least give give some production. Um, but you gotta wonder if some time off would have suited him and the Cardinals better for Ozuna because he could have gotten right, maybe got his bat back on track and his defense though, because his defense sucks right now with that shoulder. Um, and you know, moving Fam out, I mean, they did not get a lot. I understand the flaws of Fam with with his health and, and particularly with a, de- a degenerative eye condition. But dang, you would have expected that he got, uh, that he, he would get something better. Here's one uh, at Blake LaWatch. This is a question. Do you ever think defense could be in fantasy assists, errors, or some defensive stat cast metric? Maybe I think some leagues do use it, Blake. Um, in fact, I was talking with a friend. Uh, where was that? Was that on Twitter or in my discord? I cannot remember. But somebody was mentioning how they have errors in their league. And I think there's a way to incorporate it. I don't think errors is the right way, but just because errors are so flawed in general, um, you know, being a better defender in a way, not always, it's not a one-to-one, but there there are plenty of cases where being a better defender than, than another player puts you in line for more errors because you get to more stuff with your range and you're more likely to make an error on it. Whereas the statue at, at the position uh, who can't get to stuff d- can't get to it to make an error, if that makes I hope I'm explaining that right. So I don't like errors, but I do wonder if maybe something – now, outs above average on StatCast, that's only for outfielders. I don't know if they have an infielder sort of maybe defensive run saved. I don't know, but it could be interesting. You know, Think about what that do, would do for the value of a Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman's in all formats – you know, quality third baseman, and you're really sitting pretty if he's your if he's your corner because you could have drafted him as such. If you, and if you have a stud third baseman in there, you're putting Matt Chapman at corner with a 143 OPS. But his defense is off the charts amazing. I wonder if you are in a league that that can accurately reward defense. Are we talking like Matt Chapman's a second third rounder at that point? That'd be interesting. I love Matt Chapman by the way. One of my one of my favorite uh, players from the past couple of years here too, uh, or yeah, past couple of years. He came up last year. Just really love his game, watching him play. I fully respect Nolan Arenado, and I would understand someone that wants to argue against it. I'm not saying this is definitive. You cannot argue me on this. But for me, right now, Matt Chapman's the best defender in baseball. In baseball, not just third base. But even if we even if we go over to Angleton, for sure, we start talking about other guys, let's just talk third base. I still think it's... Chapman over Arenado and not by some giant measure again I love I I think I just said Arenado then Arenado I'm just going back and forth to confuse y'all I think it's (laughs) I don't know why I do that with some names I go Sabathia Sabathia sometimes too I'm I'm a clown guys I'm sorry but uh, yeah Matt Chapman is a beast and he would be a total beast in that Blake so yeah I think some leagues are incorporating it I don't know the best way though and if anybody has ideas tweet me at Spore. If you do use defense, how do you guys use it? How does it work? Do you, do you enjoy it? Um, or do you have ideas for how to best incorporate it? And maybe we can come up with some of that. And I'll bring it up on a future pod. All right. This uh, – can't read this handle, can I? At Verify D's Nuts. Fam's peripherals are too good for him to hit approximately 255 all year. He turns it around now that he's back off the DL and is a top 40 5x5 player the rest of the year, especially with the RBI bump. He should see hitting fourth. Okay. You know, I can see that because he's had surges. He's had ebbs and flows this year. And I don't know, would the ebb be the down? What is an ebb? 
the hell's an ebb? I'm Googling ebb. What's an ebb? The movement of the tide out to sea. Recede. Yeah, okay, so that'd be the bad. That'd be the bad. So he's had some ebbs. He's also had some flows, though. Started off really strong. Um, you know, he's been kind of up and down, he, and, he, and he shows you these little periods here where you're like, uh-oh, fam's getting back on track, and then it usually kind of comes comes back down. It's been really weird, but I would love to see him get going with uh, with the Rays and, and really take off here, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I actually had him, you know, uh, selfish alert here for a moment. I had him in my 10-team league, and I already had two guys on the DL, so I ended up cutting him. And now I'm looking to pick him back up here. Now, the question is, and I more of a hypothetical or a uh, rhetorical, because I don't know. I think I'll have to make the move before anybody, any of y'all can uh, respond to me and kind of give me some, your thoughts on it, some guidance, perhaps. You only get 12 starts, and it's a head-to-head -head points league. You want to maximize your 12 starts. I only have one pickup left. I was going to use it for my 12th start. Do I eschew that 12th start? and get fam for cargo who I picked up last week who's on my reserve right now but I picked him up last week because he was at home all week and then didn't toy very much um, or do I get the 12th okay so then the outfield would be Soto Yelich fam with Aaron Hicks and uh, Ian Desmond kind of filtering in here and there hmm that's interesting that's yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm t spending too much time on my own thing. I'm only up 51 points, which sounds great, but on a Wednesday or excuse me, on a Thursday, nah, y y that's not that's not a big enough lead. I've I've my first year in this league, and I've learned that you can't look at a lead uh, until like Saturday to give it any credence. Things can change so much, especially with with starts in the bank. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I could definitely see Fam getting going again, and I hope he does. I like Fam. You know, he's, he's definitely kind of a speak your mind sort of guy, a little bit of a gruff exterior. I understand some of it for sure. Um, you know, he believes his treatment with the Cardinals. He was, it took too long for them to call him up. I totally understand that. You, you, you look at some of the minor league numbers he's putting up and you have to wonder like, how the heck was this guy not called up? So yeah, I could see something like that. I could see him going off and, and really being a big asset for folks down the line. At Slam Daddy 2, Nats win the division and Cubs miss the playoffs. I just can't see it. I just can't see it with the Nats. And, again, I was a holdout on them for quite a while because I do think that they have a lot of talent. But, honestly, when they started to hemorrhage their entire bullpen, they finally built a bullpen. I've comped this team to my beloved Tigers during their run uh, regularly. I think the parallels have been there basically throughout their entire run. And... The one, you know, they, they had the same thing. It's like great offense, great starting pitching, weak bullpen. Well, they finally, unlike the Tigers, built a really good bullpen where they were going to break away from that, that Tigers comparison and, and start to do some things. They had Doolittle, Herrera, Madsen. That's a nice one, two, three right there. Then, then kind of your bridge for those days that, that your starter maybe, maybe only goes four or five innings is, uh, is less important and you can kind of, you know, patched through it with a, with a Brandon Kinsler who they moved. Sean Kelly obviously was moved out because of some behavioral issues. Um, but, but they had pieces. They literally lost Doolittle, Herrera, and Madsen in like, boom, one fell swoop there. I mean, it wasn't one fell swoop, but it was, it was bing, bing, bing real quick. And that was crazy. And that, to me, ends their season. Um, I just don't see how they survived that. <sighs> I'm not going to get into this one. There, there's another one about, and again, it always mentions Bob Gibson, Nolan Ryan, Pedro Martinez. Those are good pitchers. They pitched inside. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get going again. Uh, all right. At William J. Marty, Will Myers will be a top 12 fantasy third baseman next year. I can see that if he can stay healthy, right? He's going to get that third base eligibility, assuming he stays healthy the rest of this year. And I, I can get behind that because he's a really good player. Like there's, there's just no way around it. Um, he's a really good player. He's got good pop and, and he's got the speed still. He's got, he's seven for seven on the bases this year in 47 games. Will Myers is, and his triple slash is actually, uh, well, 
not not all components of it, two of the three. The LBP is down a little bit from last year, 328 to 313. That's not good. But the 264 average is up, and so is the 495 slug. So he's toting a um, 807 OPS, which is actually the highest since his Rookie of the Year campaign. So I can totally see that. I just, how many games are we going to get? And is he getting third base eligibility? And then he's going to go play first base? Obviously, no, because Hosmer's there. And so can his body hold up for third base all year? That'd be really cool, though. I mean, you talk about a guy, he was playing center field. He came up as a catcher. He never played catcher in the majors. But, I mean, he's an athletic guy. It's just that he seems to sustain injuries when he's on the more uh, athletic endeavors of the of the defensive spectrum. So I would love to see that. I like Will Myers. Uh, I like his game. I like having him in fantasy because he is a bit underrated, I think. I think people are kind of, uh, they see the batting average or they don't trust him or they don't trust the health, which obviously that paid off this year, even though he was coming off of back-to-back 155-game seasons. But yeah, I can get behind that, William. Oh, my God. At Brian P. Vogel. This tweet is actually from today. I thought for sure it was from last year around this time. Byron Buxton has a blistering September tempting the Twins and fantasy players yet again. Ah, here's where you know it's from this year. In 2019, rinse, repeat. He acknowledges as well that it's it's the same old song and dance. Nope. Gotta see it. And honestly, even if he had a great September, I wouldn't even care. I'm not drafting Byron Buxton. I want to see him actually sustain a, a quality for more than a month against September call-ups. And, you know, I was I was worried that last year's surge was because of their light schedule. I had I said the same thing about Kyle Gibson, by the way. And uh, Gibson obviously made changes and the tangible changes that have made him a quality starter this year. But Buxton, maybe Buxton did just ride the wave of a good uh, schedule. Uh, he did make some changes too, but it'd been a nightmare. In a small sample this year, but an absolute nightmare. Uh, 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 383 OPS and 94 plate appearances. Not much better in the minors either. Uh, in the minors, he has a 708 OPS. So I'm out on Buxton until I until I see something that that is wholly changed and and absolutely sustained for more than a month. Uh, you're just not going to see him on a roster for me. At CCRC31, Jorge Polanco is a top 15 shortstop the rest of the season. I could see that. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, you know, he was he too. Again, they had such a surge in the second half, and when I it was when I was looking at, up Gibson and kind of analyzing him that I saw all the uh, the the easy schedule that they had, mainly because of that division. But they were also playing some of the doormats uh, around the rest of the American League, and I was like, I mean, I just I don't I don't think I trust this. Um, but Polanco was somebody that I was buying in on. I, th- I thought he was going to have a nice season this year. I, you know, he was a former prospect, had a little second-half breakout there. I thought, okay, we're going to get something good here. He's been playing all right in, in August so far, one homer, one steal only, but 302 average, 761 OPS. I can totally see that. Top 15 is not too bad. I could even see a top 10. Definitely putting him on a roster in a lot of leagues, um, even if it's only as a middle for Jorge Polanco. At LTW0303, Luke Williamson says the Rays scout and develop pitching better than any team in baseball. No matter who leaves, who gets hurt, they consistently are at the top statistically since 2008. It's true. I mean, they, they, they find the way to maximize the talent that they have, too, and they're not always doing it the same way. Obviously, this year has been the most you know unique handling of it with the opener, and it's not even like the opener is necessarily this revolutionary thing that is you know, causing some giant uh, win streak. They're 61 and 59, but they've found ways to get the most out of the guys that they have. And I think it's really smart what they're able to do. You know, Ryan Yarbrough is not like tearing up the world, but a 401 ERA for 114 innings out of a 26-year-old Ryan Yarbrough is pretty darn nice. And, um, you know, they've, they've found a way to maximize that. And he's got the 11 wins being the opener. That really helps too. And I think, you know, one of the big things about, changing roles and whatnot is guys you know whether they should or not they get hung up on stuff like wins or saves because that stuff still pays in arbitration or it still gets you attention and it obviously is not indicative of true talent but this is a way to maximize somebody's skills while also getting them something that they want so you can say hey i got 11 wins and fantasy wise he's been a 
he's been a godsend, Yarbrough has specifically, because in that that aforementioned head-to-head link that I have, you get a 12-start max. Well, if you don't start the game, it's not a start. But if you're coming in for five innings from the second through the seventh, um, then, you know, you're, or se- second through the sixth, sorry, um, then then you're getting basically a start, and now you're even more in line for a win. So I do love it. But, yeah, they continue to, you know, even though I think they slow roast their prospects too much sometimes, they, they wait too long, um, it's hard to argue with the results of, of what they do to maximize their talent. And they do it on such a shoestring budget that they're always innovating, and, and you have to respect that. At Bombers Beat, Greg Bird will one day – nope, nope. Moving on. No more. Greg Greg Bird is in the Byron Buxton bin. Show me something. I'm over it until you show me something. All right. Let's see. Do we have any other? Last one here. At bottom line, Lex. And I believe this is this is with regards to um, handicapping, uh, baseball betting. KC and Baltimore will earn investors a profit in September, and Boston won't. That's interesting. So he's thinking that, you know, they might be worth playing on those two teams you know baltimore specifically i don't know what casey's up to that that might have prompted uh him to put this but baltimore lately has been hitting the ball pretty well i think they were top 10 offense uh over the last 30 days by woba in fact let me check that again let me see they were the last time i checked it which was a few days ago so they might have they might have dipped even if they're top 15 i mean this is baltimore we're talking about they were a doormat here um oh not not top 10. How about top one? They are tied with the Rangers, speaking of another doormat, uh, by record at least. Those two teams, just total woe by the last 30 days. They're tied at, at one by a margin, too, at 357. And then the Cardinals and Red Sox are, are both tied at 346. That's incredible. I mean, that's, that's wild. Let's see who's doing it for the Orioles. I mean, obviously the whole team, right? Um, you got... Well, part of this, and it's kind of funny because he left, but he left him a nice little parting gift. Nine games from Jonathan Scope. Uh, he gave him a little 226 WRC plus in this period, seven homers in those nine games. But Adam Jones is on fire. Renato Nunez has a 125 WRC plus. Austin Wins is at 203. Tim Beckham and Trey Mancini are both at 130. Uh, VR has been great. Cedric Mullins it only has 24 plate appearances, but a 196. Joey Rickard, Mark Trumbo. I mean, the only guys that aren't performing uh, above average, and it's still an improvement for Chris Davis. He's at 99 WRC plus on helping his season mark of 49. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What if he didn't have those 30 days of 90? Jeez. So, yeah, even though it's still below average, it's it's a major improvement for where Chris Davis has been. And then the other one's uh, Caleb Joseph. He's at 70. But otherwise, everybody else performing well there. That's in, that's incredible. The Rangers make make a little bit more sense because I think they've got more talent, personally. You know, they got Rugnet Odor, Joey Gallo, uh, Alice Andrews, Jerickson Profar, um, Adrian Beltre, Shinsu Chu, and actually Chu and Beltre aren't even part of the major surge there. They're, they've both been about average. In fact, Beltre's been a little bit below. He's gotten an 87 WRC+, plus, but uh, Odor, 196, Gallo, 165, Andrews, Profar, Chirinos, Kiner-Falefa, all in the 124 to 144 range. So that's really impressive. But uh, as far as KC, I mean, is their offense going, or does he like their pitching? I'm kind of curious on that one. Because um, they're only sitting 18th in Woba. Uh, the last the last uh, month. So I don't know. As far as the Red Sox being not profitable, I wonder if he's you know concerned that they're going to be playing the AL East and they're going to have big numbers. I think this was based on a sports betting thing too because he said investors in them. Maybe he just means in their players too. I don't know. But uh, that's interesting, Lex. Bottom line, Lex. Um, I'll be keeping an eye out, especially on the KC aspect of it, because that's that's definitely the surprising part there. 
All right, that's going to wrap us up for the uh, sixth installment of Call Your Shot. I'll do another one of these relatively soon. Just look for the tweet. I usually post it up and then go same day. Sometimes I let it run for uh, for a day or two to collect more. But you guys, you guys have been killing it since that first episode. You've been killing it, putting the responses in quickly. These are always fun for me. I hope you guys enjoy them as well. I will be back tomorrow with Justin barring something that unforeseen that I'm unaware of. But I, I think we're going to be going good to go tomorrow. So I'll talk to you then. Bye. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Download SquadQL for free for your Apple and Android devices. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. How does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, your league's scoring system. The app also provides waiver wire recommendations, daily updates to player rankings, and much more. Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy Lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.